0: This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Before I introduce my guest today, I want to invite you to follow the podcast on Telegram. Just search for Mr. Productivity. Nikki Krawczyk has been a copywriter for more than 15 years, writing for multi billion dollar companies that's a billion with a b solopreneurs and every size business in between via her comprehensive copywriting academy she also teaches people to build thriving professional copywriting businesses of their own nikki welcome to the show and thank you for having a difficult last name like me
1: (laughs) Uh, happy to happy to pitch in there mark we can share that load (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know it's funny when I remember when I was in nursery school. I thought my teacher was so stupid because she couldn't spell or say Strachevsky and I could. Now it was the only word I could spell or say. But my mom and dad raised me. You have to say know how to spell you and say your last name because what if you get lost? But I thought my teacher. I, I felt so bad for my teacher. I go, You're kind of dumb. You can't say my name. I'm three years old.
1: <laughs> well, you know she could have put in the effort. You were a student. Just yeah.
0: Saying. Now let me ask you this because when when people. Try to pronounce my name. The two things they say is struk which I get, okay, if mm-hmm. you look at the words. But some people say Straczynski, and I'm like, there's no N in my last name. So what is the most, one or two most common mispronunciations of your name?
1: Yeah, it, it's the Y that throws the internal Y. So I get a lot of kraziki or... <laughs> It, there's something about the, the CZY that people just kind of look at it and go, I don't, I don't even <laughs> want to try. <laughs> All
0: right, yeah.
1: Fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's, it's amazing because I have a daughter. She's 24 now, and her mom and I are divorced. And her mom's last name is Smith, and mine is Trucheski. So one day she went to school and she was a little girl, and she'd say, My name was her first name, Smith. And well, there's another. First name, Smith, and she got on the wrong bus. Went the wrong home. So now from that point on, she always uses Struchowski because guess what? She's the only, well, I could tell her name. Her she's the only Hannah Struchowski in the entire world, which is very unique. Not that Smith is a bad name. It's her it's my ex-wife's name. It's a fine name, but it's not unique, just like Sanchez. Um, you know uh, Smith; those are all common names. Nothing wrong with them. So, if your name is Sanchez, your name is Jorge, your name is Smith, I'm not saying anything bad about your name. Okay? It's just no. that when you have a name like Krawczyk or Stucheski, we're we're kind of unique. You know, we're like uh, what do you call them? Red earrings.
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot less chance of getting on the wrong bus.
0: Yeah. Put it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. So, we're going to talk about copywriting, and what's interesting is. When I first became an entrepreneur back in 2005, when I was fired from my job, I didn't know what copywriting was. I had no idea. And I am not as, as adept to it as you are, but I learn reading books and courses and webinars and stuff like that, that there is an art to it. And I was sharing with you before we hit record that there's this, you know, everybody's got emails now, but the email opt-ins have a word subscribe. And, and I'd like to know your take on this. People are like, subscribe they're thinking Hulu they're thinking Netflix they're thinking costing money so I try not to use the word subscribe when I'm talking about something free so let's talk about the words and the words that we as an entrepreneur may think it means but then when someone comes to our website they may go "Uh, I'm not sure what that word means
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I would say that's probably one of the biggest pitfalls or, or at least most common pitfalls that entrepreneurs fall into is that we write the words that, or I should say entrepreneurs write the words that are in their heads versus the words that are in their target audience's heads, the words that their target audience wants to hear and will resonate with. Um, and it, it you know, it really does take a little bit of research, getting on the phone or getting on a Zoom call and, and really getting to know your target audience, but Part of you know copywriting, just very quickly, in case um, some of your audience isn't familiar, as you know, it's marketing and advertising writing. It's it's um, words that are designed to to persuade or to sell, um, and it's it's really about making a. It's not salesy, it's not pushy. It's about making a connection between a target audience who has a want or a need and the the business or the organization, could be nonprofit as well, that has the best solution for that need, and making that connection by uh, by using words that resonate with the target audience. And when you skip that last step, um, as unfortunately many entrepreneurs who are trying to write their own copy do, then you end up with a major disconnect. And the entrepreneur is saying words, or you know, saying, so to speak, quote unquote, saying words that the target audience doesn't really care about, and or they're choosing words or, or nomenclature that is that is it's disconnecting. Like you were saying, a call to action of subscribe for a free newsletter. Now it, people are getting a little bit more comfortable with that, but but subscribe to your point sounds like you have to pay for something because as we were saying earlier, you subscribe to Netflix, you subscribe to Hulu, all that kind of, or you steal it from your best friend with their password, <laughs> you know, whatever.
0: No one's but, ever done um,
1: that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. It's, it's, um, but uh, you have to be very careful. You have to make a, a call to action clear and you have to have a call to action so people know what to do. But at the same time, you have to make sure that it's not putting up an art an unintended artificial barrier you know or sometimes there will be things that people um word choices that people use that that make things sound like a lot of work for example um you know, a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs are very into the concept of challenges. We're gonna do a challenge. It's gonna be a this kind of challenge. It's a five-day challenge. Um, and when I talk to entrepreneurs, I always encourage them to test out that language. Cause there are gonna be some audiences that go, Oh, yeah, I'm up for a challenge. Like entrepreneurs, for example, tend to react well to challenges because we tend to be the kinds of people that are like, Yeah, dig in. I'm going after it. <laughs> but consumers, your average non-entrepreneur consumer, you want to test that out because there's a lot of non-entrepreneur consumers who are going, Whoa, a challenge! I have to pay you, and you're going to challenge me, and it sounds like a lot of work. And so there are some entrepreneurs who are targeting that more consumer audience. They're going, "Why is everybody says challenges work? Why isn't my challenge working?" And it's because your target audience doesn't want to have to do a whole bunch of work. So yeah, the the wording that you uh, choose—that's kind of a, a little corner of copywriting, but it's it's massively important to to. To your any entrepreneur's success?
0: I know right now on my website that I am selling, uh, well, I'm selling a course and I'm selling my membership. And about a year ago, I changed the wording from purchase now to yes, explanation point, I want this. And it's written to like, they read the description, yes, I want it, because people are not going, I want to purchase this now. They're thinking, yes, I want this. And to your point, I'm like, okay, if I see something I want, I'm not saying, how can I purchase this item? I'm thinking, yes, I want this right now. And I'm like using the words I would use. And I think my prospects would use because it adds more excitement. Purchase, buy now, yawn. It's so boring. And I think if they read your sales copy and they're excited, don't give them a boring call to action.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and it's boring call to action, but also the the emotion behind behind purchase is it's not, you know, make an investment. It's <laughs> oh, this is this is money. It takes the it takes the reader away from like you're saying, yes, get me in or yes at that point they're going, yes, I want this trans uh transformation. I want this life change, I want this. And then when you take it into something like, Purchase. Then it becomes. It brings the money back up. I mean, it, they're never going to forget that there's money, but you you automatically dim that excitement by remind by taking it from yes, let me get this to purchase. It's a totally different feeling, and it reminds them of of. The fact that, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's not just about the excitement of the transformation. I, I am going to have to pay for this. And well, and then you get all of the, the objections that come with, with purchasing the, well, what if that doesn't work for me? What if it's going to, what if it's too expensive? What if all those things? And it's so funny that just one little word. Or, you know, a few little words can make such a huge difference, but that's why it's so crucial for entrepreneurs to be testing their copy. Um, and the cool thing is, is most of the software now, like your your landing page software, your email software, all of that makes it so much easier than ever to test, but you need to test and test don't test it all at once because then you get really weird results. Yes. <laughs> test it piece by piece. Headline, one, you know, headline for a week. Test yourself every – but um, you need to test because, you know, even a copywriter, a professional copywriter, I'll tell you, I'll put my best foot forward and I will give you the best copy that I can possibly write. But I'm also not – and I try to get in your target audience's heads – But I'm not perfect, and I'm not psychic. And there may be two versions, and I wouldn't be able to tell you which one is necessarily going to affect your target audience or or cause them to take that action a little bit more than the other one. And that's why testing is so important.
0: I will admit this on my show because I'm very vulnerable on my show. When I created my Basics of Productivity course... I fell into the trap of if I build it, they will come. And so I just said, hey, I've got a course called the basics of productivity. Come and get it. Crickets. Because people go, "I'm, we're glad you're excited about the course, Mark. But what's in the course? What value do we get? Nothing. I didn't have a sales page. I just had a checkout page. And it was a wake up call to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I just can't do that. And, and so what I made the mistake of is I didn't see if my market wanted this first. Well, I had already created the course, so I'm not going to throw it in the garbage. So what I did is I enlisted, I think four people to go through the course for free. I said, look, I'll give it to you for free. I want an honest, detailed testimonial. They all went through it and go, oh my gosh, this course is awesome. So I took their wording and put it on my sales page. Now that was something I made a mistake. I realized I made a mistake and I corrected it. I didn't give up. I didn't go, woe is me. I didn't dwell on it. I learned. And I think the most important thing you can do when you're testing, if it's not working, well, hey, look at it as a learning opportunity and go, well, okay, what did I, what did I do wrong? How can I improve it? And then, then you do that and you test again. Okay. I'm getting better. I'm getting better I'm getting better, but don't give up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only failure in business is if you give up, if you stop. Because to your point, everything else. Is an opportunity to learn. Okay, I didn't make I didn't make sales here. Well, let me see what I can change. All right. Well, I made one sale, but I was hoping to make ten. Okay, so let me see what I can change here. Or right. I did a launch and it wasn't as big as I thought it would be. Or you know any number of things. But the the only and you know I've been um, I've been a copywriter for fifteen real close to twenty years, and I have owned my business for almost ten now. Um, and yeah, I think that the it's you know there's no. Overnight success has really ever been over the past three years that we really have seen explosive growth. But the, the thing I think that separates the successful entrepreneurs from the ones who go, well, I tried it and it didn't work is the fact that the successful entrepreneurs will just keep going, stick with something, make little changes, learn, iterate, all that kind of thing. But it's, it's, And, you know, if if people need to give up, okay, I understand maybe entrepreneurship isn't for you, but if you really want to do it, it's scary sometimes, it's miserable sometimes, it's very exciting and rewarding sometimes, but you you have to stick with it.
0: Does your to-do list have you overwhelmed? When you join my digital productivity coaching program, you'll learn how to get and stay focused, become untangled from the chaos of your to-do list, experience less overwhelm and have time to do what you really want to do. Sign up today by clicking the coaching tab at mrproductivity.com. I recently made a change. I use Kajabi for my website and they have these everybody's got these exit intents. And for the longest time, on my homepage, the exit intent was for my email newsletter and I'm like well, Mark, that's kind of silly because the email opt-in's right there. And I'm like, wait a minute, why don't I make the email opt-in for my monthly membership, right? So pops up. And then I said, well, that's great. And I'm like, wait a minute, why do you have it going to the sales page? Why don't you take the key information about the membership, put that on the opt-in, on the the pop-up. So if they want it, yes, I want it. It goes to the checkout page because now it's less friction. But my point is sharing that with you is I'm learning. I'm like, okay, this is not working. This is not converting. Maybe I, if I set instead of sending them here, I send them here. So there's less friction. And so any entrepreneur, and I, I, I dare the audience to find one person who's successful that has not tried, didn't work. Let me fix it. Let me try again. That's the way you build an empire. Everybody you can name does that very thing. But to your point, when you quit, then you're done. But until then, you have to look at it as a learning opportunity. Look at I'm not worth a hundred million dollars yet, but I'm learning. I will eventually get there, but I'm learning and I and I think it's I think it's kind of sad when you see these people worth billions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars, and they have a spirit of learning. I'll never forget. I heard Brendan Burchard, who I learned from a couple of years ago, said true experts are students first, and they're always learning. And you look at people who are struggling, making 40, 50, $60,000 a year, their business isn't going anywhere. And they're like, I want to learn something. I'm like, well, isn't it interesting? These billionaires are learning every day and you are against learning. Maybe that's why you're not making that kind of money.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I think something that we talk about with our students a lot because m- the vast majority of our students have no background in copywriting and in fact a lot of them didn't even know what copywriting was until uh, they started working with us um, it's I, f- outside of the marketing industry it's like one of the best kept career secrets wow. um, it's fascinating but uh, you know I, I put together a module intercourse on mindset and how you have to go into this and how you have to be coachable and, but it's it's and how you will, You know, come up against self doubt and all that kind of thing because that's how it works. That's life. Um, But it's, I think every single student is surprised at one point or another that they don't already know it, which is very funny. But, you know, the, as adults, we forget what it's like to learn something. Okay. Intellectually, we can know, you know, when you were a little kid, you didn't know anything. And so it was not a surprise that you didn't know something. And as an adult, intellectually, you can know, oh, well, I don't know this, so I'm going to have to learn it. But when you, you get into something, you start working on it, it can be a shock that, oh, and, and learning also means that you're not going to be immediately good at something. And I think mm-hmm. that's a big part of the shock too. Like, oh, well, I thought I could just – Consume it and then immediately be, be perfect at it. Um, and it's, it is, it's, it sounds funny because intellectually we know that that's obviously it's very silly, but it's, it's true when any of us start any new project, you know, you, you, you dig into something, and, you know, start launching your course and all that kind of thing. We dig into something and we're like, yes, I know it's going to take me a little bit of time to master this. Then, then, you know, the next day you go, how have I not mastered this yet? (laughs) I thought it was supposed to be perfect by now. There's definitely an element of of having to be patient with yourself and having to be gentle with yourself, but at the same time, being willing to be persistent and sticking with something even through the moments when it's uncomfortable. I mean, the best things in life – every single one of them, the best things in life are all (laughs) a lot harder than they initially seem, you Uh know, businesses, health, relationships, all that kind of stuff. I think we all expect kind of Magical instant results. Nobody else gets magical instant results, but we all secretly <laughs> suspect that we're going to get magical instant results. Um, but we don't. And we're all a little bit shocked when we have to put in a little bit of effort. But the thing is, is it's the putting in the effort that makes it so worthwhile and makes that, that success when you get there so exciting.
0: You know, I learned oh, about two or three years ago, I heard Mark Cuban say that he reads. Now, he's a billionaire, owns the Dallas Mavericks, very successful. He reads 30 to 60 minutes every day. And so ever since I heard that, I make it a priority to read every day. I, I listen to audiobooks when I'm on my daily run. And I'm reading a book right now by uh, Walter Isaacson. It's called. The, the the code breaker it's about the CRISPR gene editing i don't know anything about this stuff but i believe people ask me how do you ask such great questions on your show why are you such a good conversationalist because i read a lot you got to read a lot you have to get outside your world read books that are outside your comfort zone because that will vent it may not at the time but eventually it's going to come back and go oh yeah i remember I read a book about this so listener if you're not a reader Commit to yourself, not to anyone else. Commit to yourself to reading a book 30 minutes every day as a priority. Seven days a week, on vacation, on holidays. If you're in the hospital because your life's broken, every day, I tell you, that's one of the biggest things I've done, the biggest changes i made that fundamentally changed my life. You got to be learning every day until you take your final breath because that's what the successful people do. And if you want to have a high net worth, that's what you're going to have to do as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree. Well, and I think too that a lot of us think, well, it, well, I I've always been a reader, but I think for people who don't necessarily uh, naturally gravitate toward it, I think there's that like, well, it's one more thing to do, but it, it really it it um, engages your mind and lets you relax a little bit in a way that television doesn't. I know we all go to again Netflix comes up, um, Netflix or Hulu, or whatever. At the end of the or day, social or social media we want to decompress but the way that those things the way that those those th- those types of media operate they don't actually ever let us decompress they don't let our mind kind of take a break and so we all wonder why we're still all tense at the end of the day well i watched 3 hours of tv i should be relaxed but we all that's not true right? like when you say that out loud you're like well I, okay i guess i know that that's not true but we do it you know it's very funny
0: so let me ask you the 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 question, the great debate, I guess you could say, long copy versus short copy. When people ask me about this, they'll say, Mark, your your copy's too long. And I say, look, I want to know your thoughts on this. This is why I look at it. I said, if you send me a 45 page sales letter about boats, I'm not gonna read one word of it. But if you send me a 45 page uh, sales letter about Apple, about technology about running. I'm probably going to read it. So I know some people are dead set against long copy, but here's the thing. It's not about you. It's about your prospects. So talk to us about the great debate of long copy, like Dan Kennedy used to write, or probably still does, right? He's not dead yet. And short copy. What's, what's the benefit of both?
1: I mean, the question it comes down to is, does the copy work? does it get them to take the action that you want them to take i mean the copy needs to be as i mean granted yes you are you are limited in some types of media you are limit if you're writing a banner ad then yeah you can't have paragraphs and shouldn't cuz nobody's going to pay attention to it if you have a paragraph of copy but it's what in whatever media or medium you choose you have to you have to focus on the messages that you have to get across right and if there's extra stuff in there stuff that gets in the way of those messages you know fluff or people put in there because they need to you know all of our egos get involved sometimes especially when we're writing for ourselves but if if it's if it conveys the right messages in the right order and in the right way then it doesn't matter how long it is but once you get to the point where you have things in addition to the right messages in the right way in the right order, then it gets too long. Does that make sense? It's it the the copy should be as long as it needs to be to get the important messages across. And sometimes that is gonna be short. Sometimes all you need is, is a headline and a box for people to sign up for something. And sometimes to your point, I mean, look at how long sales pages are for courses sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is the thing is too, is when you have one of the reasons those pages are long like that is because you have some people that are going to look for a couple key points and go, okay, yeah, I'm ready to make a purchase. And then you have other groups of people that are going to need to get in depth into all of these elements before they persuade it to do that. But it's, you can't possibly make a judgment call about whether a copy is too short or too long because it's going to depend entirely on the message uh, and the target audience.
0: I love that. And of course, one of the best lines I have heard, you probably heard more of this, the iPod, a thousand songs in your pocket. That's it. I mean, <laughs> they don't need to have 45 pages, a thousand songs in your pocket. Now we have more than that. We have iPhones with a quadrillion bits of memory, but that was genius. I mean, six words. I mean, can you imagine if Apple did a 45 page sales letter for that? They probably wouldn't have made as many sales because people go, I, I, I don't understand. What's the point? Cause the bot, the whole theme would be a thousand songs in your pocket.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, you know, that's a, could Apple do a 40, or could they have done a 45 page sales? Absolutely. Can you imagine the technology that went into creating those, those first iPods? Like it's, it's mind blowing. Now we're like, oh, whatever, whatever, but mind blowing. So they, I'm sure they easily could have done it, but that goes back to that idea of what the entrepreneur, wants to say or feels compelled to say versus what the target audience actually needs to hear in order to take that action. You see this a lot with course creators who are just so excited about all of the stuff that they packed into these courses, all of the features and all of the this and that. And, and when at the end of the day, it's not that is probably not what your, what your target audience wants to hear. They want to hear about, you know, Nobody buys a course because they're like I want a course. What I truly <laughs> want is a course. Yeah. You know? It's um they want a they want a transformation. And so that's instead of of saying, well, this has this module has 5 videos and this one has 6 videos and it's 35 plus hours of videos. No nobody cares. It could be it could be four hours of videos. It could be four minutes of videos. if you can if you can deliver the transformation, that's what people care about. It doesn't matter that it's it's thirty five hours of video. What matters is that they get the transformation that you promise them. Hmm.
0: I remember for the longest time, probably the first couple of years I was doing the podcast, I was so proud of what episode number it was. And then I had a thought leader, a podcasting mm-hmm. thought leader said, you know who cares about the episode number? I said no, it goes you. I'm like, "What? Do you think the listener cares? They care about what value are they going to give get from you in exchange for their time." And so at that point, I never talk about the episode number. Very once in a while I will mention it, but it doesn't matter because the listener's not going, "Oh, this is Mark's 927 episode." That may be the number. I have no idea. Literally, I have no idea what episode. I just guessed that. It's over 900. But the point is the listener doesn't care. What matters is if I want to get a guest like you on my show and I say, well, I have 925 episodes, whoever it is. Well, that's pretty impressive than if I said one. okay. But the usual listener does not care. They want to know, am I going to get value in exchange for my time listening to Mark and Nikki? And I think they did because mm-hmm. we talked a lot about it on on the show today. That's the whole point. And I think it's we got to be careful of you know thirty five hours and you get all these bonuses. What is the transformation? Because that is you nailed it right there, Nikki. That's what people care about. They don't care if it's thirty minutes or thirty five hours. Am I going to get the transformation that I that you say I'm going to get? Am I going to get it? They don't care how long it takes. Hey, you listening to the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Thank you so much for doing so. I really appreciate it. But are you a Mark Stuchowski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter, and you can sign up right now by going to MrProductivity.com. M-I-S-T-E-R, MrProductivity.com. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's and it's it's something that it's very easy for all of us to forget that it's not about us. It's not about us as the business owner. It's about our target audience and what they want and they need. It's something we joke with our students about. It's not really a joke, but it's you know, we we um, all of our students are coached to put together their portfolio websites and we do monthly coaching calls and we'll do reviews of those portfolio sites to give them feedback and um, we always laugh about it because everybody has an about me page and we always laugh about it because it's it's your about me page. There's not it's not actually about you, about you. exactly. <laughs> exactly, it should not be about you. It should be about what you can do for your potential client, and what separates you as a copywriter from all other copywriters. And obviously, we teach them how to write them, all that kind of thing. But it's and it's the same thing with you know, what's well, my website. Your website should not be about you unless your target audience is your mom, <laughs> who is very invested and only wants to hear about you. Yes. But unless your target audience is your mom, it's your website is not about you. It is about what your target audience wants and needs to hear. And that has to stay in I was gonna say every entrepreneur's mind, but anybody who's who's putting a message out there into the world and and you're sending an email to your landlord and you want him to come by and fix something. How can you make it matter to him? Make it less about what you want and make it matter to him. You know, all of those different scenarios, putting your target audience uh, and what they want and need first and foremost in your messaging is going to have the most impact and anything that you write or say.
0: It's not about you, said no narcissist ever. Uh, But uh, so let's talk about your academy because we are still living under this annoying pandemic. And when you're a copywriter, you get to work from home or wherever you want to work from. You don't have to worry about dealing with other people in person. You can literally, like my company, like yours is global. If you can speak or read English, I can help you. And that's 440 million people. I can't take 440 million uh, clients. So tell us a little bit about your, your academy. And because some people may go, what did she say earlier? If you've got no experience, you could be a copywriter, Mark. did, Did I really hear she say that. Yes, she did. So tell us about your academy.
1: Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that, you can you can get work as a copywriter if you have no experience. That's part of what we teach you. We start out we we teach people first how to write copy, the fundamentals, and then getting into the mastering the techniques, and and then getting into how to build your portfolio, how to set yourself apart from the competition, how to find clients, how to land clients, and how to to consistently do that. Um, and we do teach people if they want to be on staff as copywriters, we. We have a lot of students that end up being on staff. Um, but we do have a lot of students that are are freelance, whether that be full-time freelance or part-time freelance. if they want to kind of get into it. Um, but yeah, it's you know, I again have been a copywriter for a very long time. and back when I started this program a decade ago, I put together what I would have wanted mm. when I, got started. Um, And I was a little bit lucky in that, very lucky, in that um, when I was young, when I was in high school, uh, my dad was a marketing director at the time, he's retired now, but would bring home extra work for me to do. And so I kind of, writing work. So I would have, had a leg up. I understood what copy was. And so I was able to kind of... begin my career as a copywriter, probably a little bit easier than some people would, but I still made plenty of mistakes, um, which I will happily cop to each and every one of them. Uh, and so my goal with creating this program was to give people a, a solid training on how to do it and not, there's a lot of like, if you can write a sales letter like this, you can make six figures in your pajamas. There's a lot of, you know, crud out there. Um, but I wanted to give people a real actual career training. And it's not, you know, get rich quick. Can you make money? Yes, you can make excellent money as a copywriter, but it's not a get rich quick. It's an actual career training, but not just the career training, actually how to then find clients and land clients and parlay that into more and more work. So it was really important to me that it's not just, well, now you know how to write copies. So best of luck to you. <laughs> Go find some clients. It'll be great.
0: So you could start it off as a side hustle. So let's say you're at a job and you're not happy with it. Or maybe you're in one of those crunch situations where your employer is going to require the vaccinations and you're not going to get the vaccinations. So this is something you could do because obviously if you work from home, you don't have to be vaccinated because you work from home. So it's an opportunity out there. So where can we go to find out more about the academy?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, If people have been listening and they're like, oh, this copywriting thing, I'm interested. um, We have a free video training that we put together. It's free on demand. So, you know, watch it whenever. Um, It's at freecopywritingtraining.com. And you can follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, all that kind of stuff at filthyrichwriter.com. I love that. I know. It's, well, you, you do a lot of the middle of the night commenters on Facebook and Instagram have a real problem with it. But, but see, to me, being filthy rich means having a job you love, being good at what you do and making good money doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and I like that the concept of a filthy rich writer makes people go, wait, what? I, I always thought you couldn't make any money as a writer. Everybody always said, oh, if you want to be a writer, well, then you know, get used to being poor or anything like that. So I really wanted to to kind of shake people up a little bit and, and make them question all of the things that they have been told about what it means to be a writer and what you can possibly earn as a writer. Because it is unfortunate that, you know, uh, novelists don't tend to make a lot of money unless they're Stephen King or J.K. Rowling, and, and unfortunately, journalists and, and many other kinds of writers, but copywriters can make an excellent income. We're paid well for what we do.
0: You know, it's interesting when you mention the Filthy Rich. I, one of the people I follow is Grant Cardone. And he came from a really bad place in his childhood. He was in the drugs and all this stuff, and he almost died a couple of times. And he tells a story. He says, a lot of people have the stigma about being rich. And he goes, when he said one time I saw him say on the webinar was on with him. And he goes, a lot of people don't understand when you have more money, you can help more people. And this is right around Hurricane Harvey when Hurricane Harvey hit Houston back in 2017. And I was not in a position to help anybody. I mean, I couldn't say, oh, you lost all your furniture. We'll buy it. Oh, you lost your car. We'll buy it. And so when you have more money, then you can help more people. Yes, you pay more taxes, but that's okay. You're helping the infrastructure of the country. And I'll never forget that because when you don't have a lot of money, you can't help a lot of people. You can barely help yourself. You make a lot of money. You can help a lot of people, even people you don't even know you can help. And, and so for. I was raised, I was the only child, and I was raised that we don't talk about money. Shh, we don't talk about money. And I'm like, wow, if I make $50,000 a year, I guess that'll be okay. And then I said, well, then I got brave and I said, well, wow, I'm going to go to $250,000 a year. Okay, maybe $300,000 a year, right? And then I I first listened to the 10X rule once and he says, you 10X your goals. And so I went to a million. Then I went to my goals, $10 million a year. And then recently on August 16th, I started saying, you know what? I want to have a net worth of $100 million because what Grant says, would you rather fall short of a $100 million a year goal? or a 50,000 year goal. And so dreaming big doesn't cost money, folks. It doesn't cost you any money, but you tell, let me tell you something. When you have a ginormous goal like that, you're more excited to go after it than if you go, oh, a dollar more a week in my paycheck. You're like, yay. So have ginormous goals. Have goals that are so big, they scare the crap out of you because that's what's going to drive you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with earning money for being good at what you do. Exactly. I remember I posted something on it. Maybe it was an ad or something, but a woman posted on Instagram and said, um, I would never do this. I write for my soul and I would never. It, it's not a virtue to not be making any money. <laughs> That's not a, it's not a good thing that most writers don't make any money. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. More writers in different arenas should be making more money. That's, that's not a good thing. We should not be celebrating the fact that most writers don't make any money. And so it doesn't make you a good person if you're not making any money. It's Okay. To be paid well Mm -hmm. for what you do. And in fact, I would encourage all of us to set our standards a little bit higher and say, yes, I absolutely won't settle for not being paid well for what I do. If we, what we do, what we do is valuable. Mm -hmm. And as such, we should be paid well for it and the the fact of the matter is with copywriters because companies and organizations can directly connect the work that we do to their revenue to their their goals um, it's much easier for them to understand that value but that doesn't mean it's okay that novelists don't make any money you know it's it's not a it's not a virtue to not be making any money so I don't. I would definitely caution people not to to confuse that. It's it's okay to earn a good income for doing valuable work,
0: and it's okay to be wealthy uh, as a Christian. King Solomon he had like more money than we could ever imagine, and he did a lot of good things with it. So God says the love of money is the root of all evil. So if you hoard your money and you're not helping people, then you're a jerk. But most people I know who are wealthy, they're helping people. Like we recently had, uh, not we, but Haiti had another earthquake. So I'm reading all over Instagram. All these wealthy people are raising money and sending plane loads to help Haiti. You can't do that without money, folks. So if you think money, having a lot of money is bad, you need to, you need to work through that because having a lot of money and you're making the money because you're selling drugs to kids, that's bad. But if you're making money like being a copywriter or being a productivity trainer and you're helping people, that's not bad. That's okay. And I know a lot of people, because I went through it, I'm like, oh, money's bad. No. To your point, if you're doing really good and you're helping a lot of people get better, you should be well-paid. Tom Brady gets a lot of money because he's really good at what he does. That's nothing wrong with it. And I I just, Mm -hmm. we have to, we have to crush this myth that having a lot of money is, is bad. I mean, my, my dad's 80 years old. My mom's got late onset Alzheimer's. She's 76. And my dad, he's relying on the government with Medicaid and Medicare. I said, can you imagine about a net worth of a hundred million dollars, dad? You wouldn't have to worry about that. I could take care of everything. And he's starting to come around to like, wow, yeah, that would be really nice. He says, I'm working on it seven days a week. And I said, you got to realize money is not a bad thing because every time, a, this is so funny, Nikki, every time someone signs a multi 1000000000000 dollars contract in sports, my dad calls me. Oh, no, it's worth this kind of money. I said, dad, you know, I'm a capitalist. Someone thought he's worth that kind of money. And I said, you're not paying them. So why do you care? (laughs) So we always have this debate between father and son. It's kind of funny, but money's not bad. Money can do a lot of good things. And if you're writing copy and you're helping people be successful, don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty about making money.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Money is money is a tool money is you can use money to do good things. You can use money to do bad things. Having more money just amplifies whatever you were before. Yes. If you were kind of a jerk before you had money, you're going to probably be even more of a jerk <laughs> when you have money. But if you were a good person before you had money, you're still going to be a good person. And I don't want to say better person, but you'll be able to do more yes. good things when you have money. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So any other website you want to send us to other than the free copywriting
1: yeah. Free copywriting training.com is where they can get that video. If they want to look at some of our blog posts, some of our content, definitely Filthyrichwriter.com. FilthyRichWriter.com.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that URL. That is so awesome. So Nikki, I want to thank you for being on the show today. I mean, folks, I know this is an audio only podcast, but I can see Nikki. She loves what she does. She's got this big smile on her face and I, she, she wants to be here. And I really hope that you take my conversation with Nikki today and go do something, whether that's going to free copywriting training.com or filthy rich writer.com or seeing her on social media, go take action. Don't, don't just sit here and go, well, I feel kind of good. And then go on with your life. Take action. Cause she gave you a lot of valuable insights. Nikki, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Mark. Thank you. This was a ton of fun.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchesky podcast. Hey, are you a Mark Stucheski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter where I will send you value multiple times a week. And I promise you, every time I send an email out to my insiders, it always has value. So if you want to sign up absolutely free, just head on over to mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com.